Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up, you pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration and music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker, Brad Braley, and the Voice of Prophecy speaker, H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day, without him I would fall. When I am sad to him I go, no other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad, he's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, I want no better friend. I trust him now, I'll trust him when life's fleeting day shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend, beautiful life that has no end, eternal life, eternal joy. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we approach Thee in prayer. In the name of Jesus, we pray that Thou wilt bless this broadcast session today to every listener. We pray that the Word of God may be made plain, that hearts be drawn to Jesus Christ as Savior. We ask this in His name. Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, 
hold us who bow before thee. Near to the heart of God.
And now it's time for another song by the King's Heralds. This time it's Jesus, Rose of Sharon. Jesus, Rose of Sharon, bloom within my heart. Beauties of thy truth and holiness impart. That where'er I go, my life may share abroad. Fragrance of the knowledge of the love of God. Jesus, Jesus, rose of Sharon, sweeter far to me than the fairest flowers of earth could ever be. Fill my life completely, adding more each day. Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker. His subject, the beloved angel. Today we read Christ's letter to the sixth angel, the angel of the church of Philadelphia. This is all found in the great prophecy of the book of Revelation, the prophecy of the seven churches. Revelation 3, 7. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. This sixth angel covers the sixth period of church history, the period of great revivals, the period of Philadelphia, or brotherly love. The ancient city of Philadelphia was founded in 189 before Christ by King Attalus, it is said that the great affection of the king for his brother, Eumenes, won for him the title of Philadelphus, and the city was named for him. Philadelphia commanded an important pass or doorway into the very center of Asia Minor. It was a missionary city in the sense that through it all of Lydia soon became Greek in civilization and in language. 
It suffered more from earthquakes than probably any other city of Western Asia. It was completely destroyed just a little while before the birth of Christ. Time and again its inhabitants had to flee and live in tents or other shelters, but they always came back and bravely rebuilt their city. Philadelphia and Smyrna are the only churches of the seven which received no rebuke from Christ in this prophecy. And these two, with Thyatira, are the only ones which still remain today as cities. When the Turkish armies were conquering this part of the Roman Empire, the city held out for eleven years before surrendering on good terms. The skeptical historian Gibbon describes the various churches of Revelation in these words. In the loss of Ephesus, the Christians deplored the fall of the first angel, the extinction of the first candlestick of the Revelation. The destruction is complete. The circus and three stately theaters of Laodicea are now peopled with wolves and foxes. Sardis is reduced to a miserable village. The god of Mohammed is evoked in the mosques of Thyatira and Pergamos. Philadelphia alone has been saved by prophecy or courage. At a distance from the sea, forgotten by the emperors, encompassed on all sides by the Turks, her valiant citizens defended their religion and freedom above fourscore years, and at length capitulated with the proudest of the Ottomans. Among the Greek colonies and churches of Asia, Philadelphia is still erect, a column in the scene of ruins, a pleasing example that the paths of honor and safety may sometimes be the same. This reference to the lone column no doubt refers to a great pillar which stood for many centuries after the destruction of the city in A.D. 17. In fact, it stood until the 18th century. In ancient times, pillars were often engraved with important proclamations or dedications. In visiting India, we saw the famous pillar of Asoka, on which are inscribed the words of the great emperor Asoka and much information of historical value. That great polished pillar, with its thousands of inscriptions, still stands as a monumental history book of the glory of India. In the apostles' times, pillars were often erected to the honor of rulers and great men, with testimonies of their accomplishments engraved upon them. The same was true of triumphal arches dedicated to victorious generals. Often these men were even given divine honors, and some of the emperors were worshipped as gods. Of course, this meant persecution for God's faithful followers, as it did for the three Hebrew worthies who refused to bow the knee before the great golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. The Philadelphia period of the church must extend through at least the last half of the 18th century and the first half of the 19th. Brotherly love and missionary zeal were prominent at this time among the reviving churches of Christ. The arrested Reformation was started again. World mission work really began with William Carey on May 31, 1792, when he preached his memorable sermon on foreign missions from Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3. All denominations finally took part in it. The work of the Wesleys and George Whitfield gave impetus to the gospel work everywhere. In 1797, the first missionaries landed on Tahiti in the South Pacific. Robert Morrison went to China in 1807. Robert Moffat to Africa in 1817. 
1840, David Livingston began his great missionary explorations in Africa. The British and Foreign Bible Society was established in 1804 and the American Bible Society in 1816. Then the great Advent movement began in America, in Britain, and other countries, and spread over the earth. There was a renewed investigation of the prophecies of the books of Daniel and the Revelation, as well as in all the Bible. People were asking questions regarding Christ's great sermon in which he answered the question, When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Matthew 24, 3. Then the signs of the last generation began to appear. On May 19, 1780, the sun was darkened in fulfillment of prophecy. And on the night of November 13, 1833, the great star shower of meteors took place. Hundreds of ministers of all denominations began to proclaim the Advent message based on the great prophetic time period of 2,300 days found in Daniel's prophecy, the 8th and ninth chapters. And the great disappointment came to these men who expected the Lord's return in early 1843 or 44. Jesus announces himself to this holiest of the seven churches as he that is holy and true, who has the key to David. The key of David is the authority to open and shut, as mentioned in the prophecy of Christ in Isaiah 22:22, And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open. The key is a symbol of power and authority. Since the year 605 before Christ, when Jehoiakim, the last independent king of God's nation of Israel, was dethroned by Nebuchadnezzar, the house and throne room of David had been closed and locked until he come whose right it is, and God will give it him, and that's Jesus. Here in this letter to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, we are reminded that Jesus is about to come as King of kings and Lord of lords and take the throne of his father David. Philadelphia was a missionary city, and so this modern Philadelphia period of the church was a missionary period. Jesus says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. It's encouraging to all believers to know that Jesus understands our needs. He opens doors of opportunity to us. We cannot discuss all of this wonderful letter, but we shall just mention a few of the high points of interest. Listen to verses 10 and 11, Revelation 3. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, the Savior says, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. The soon coming of the Lord is mentioned more and more as we come to the end of this series of letters to angels. We get closer to the end of time. The second coming of Christ is a theme of the book of Revelation. And the messages here seem to indicate a delay in his second advent beyond the expectation of believers at that time. In the parable of the ten virgins, as recorded in Matthew 25, we read that those who went out to meet the bridegroom all slumbered and slept while the bridegroom tarried. God's children are to be patient. They are to keep their lamps trimmed and burning and await the Lord's return. They are to talk faith and walk by faith. They are not to say in their hearts, My Lord delayeth his coming. 
They are not to smite their fellow servants or eat and drink with the drunken. And instead, spending their time in these things, they are to be proclaiming the gospel, reforming their own lives, preparing for the coming of Christ. And now comes the promise at the end of the letter. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. How appropriate this message is to Philadelphia, the city which was noted for its lone pillar standing through the centuries. The time will come when the child of God will go no more out. He will have a home in the kingdom of God. And he will have a new name. The very next sentence says so. I will write upon him my new name. That means he'll have the very character of Jesus given to him through his divine grace, Christ's own righteousness. When one is born again, he becomes a new creature, truly a Christian. Sam Hadley, that great worker for souls, tells of his own experience. Boys, listen to me, he said. I'm dying. But I'll die on the street before I'll ever take another drink. He thought it would happen before morning. Something inside him seemed to say, Go and have yourself locked up if you want to keep that promise. There was no place on earth he dreaded more than the police station, as he lived in daily dread of arrest. But that's where he went and asked to be locked up. What do you want to be locked up for? asked the officer. Why do you want to be locked up? Because, said Hadley, I want to be placed where I can die before I can get another drink of whiskey. So he says they locked me up in a narrow cell, number 10, in the back corridor. That has become a famous cell to me since. For 20 years I've visited that same cell on the anniversary of that awful night of darkness, and I've had sweet communion there with Jesus. It seemed that all the demons that could find that room came in the place with me that night. They were not all the company I had either. No, praise the Lord, the dear Savior who came to me in the saloon was present and said, Pray. I said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Instantly, Hadley was a new man, a new creature in Christ Jesus. And no matter who we are or what our temptations may be or what our life may have been, we too may be truly converted and have a new name in glory when we pray the sinner's prayer. Yes, then, we will have Christ's new name, just as promised here in this wonderful message to this angel, the sixth in the book of Revelation. A new name in glory for every one of us. I was once a sinner, but I came pardon to receive from my Lord. This was freely given, and I found that he always kept his word. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, oh yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story, a sinner has come home, for there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine, oh yes, it's mine, with my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven, never more to roam. In the book tis written, saved by grace, all the joy that came to my soul. Now I am forgiven, and I know by the blood I am 
it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And the white-robed angels sing the story. A sinner has come home. Has come home for there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. Yes, it's mine. With my sins forgiven, I am bound for heaven. Never more to The Bible is God's letter to you and me, so then let us study it. It will help us to look up and to go forward in faith. Have faith in God through narrow ways and steep. Have faith in God o'er waters swift and deep. Have faith in God, his hand, thy heart to keep. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We would like to remind all of our listeners that the voice of prophecy depends upon its mail. Have you written to us lately? We missed your letter when you do not write. Thousands of people listen and never write. We would appreciate a word. Tell us how you like the broadcast, how you enjoy the music. We will be glad to hear from every one of our listeners. So we will be looking for a letter from you. Now we hope that our program today has brought blessing and help to all who listen to this session. And we invite you to join us again next week at this same time for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. And we say to one and all, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.